Well, good morning, LifePoint. It is so good to be with you here this morning, those of you in the room, as well as those of you who are online with us, or if you watch this at some point later. We are continuing in our series called 90. If you're just joining us, we've been looking at the 90 days leading up to Jesus's uh, death and resurrection. And if I have not yet met you, my name is Pastor Roy, and I am the care pastor here at LifePoint, and so glad to meet you. Now, not only have we been doing this series 90 leading up to Jesus's death and resurrection, but we're also in the series Bible in a Year. We've been doing that since last May. So this is just a section of that, and we will continue on with that as soon as we get to Easter. Now, if you are new and you want to go online to our YouTube channel, you can catch up and see some of the messages that you've missed in this series, uh, but we're excited that you are with us. Now, uh, in this particular series of 90 right now, we're talking about the names that Jesus called himself. And of course, he called himself the Son of Man. And we're going to dig into that for just, uh, in a second, we're going to get into that. But as I was thinking about names that we give ourselves, uh, how many of you grew up with a nickname? I'm just kind of curious. Anyone? Few of you. Yeah. Pretty typical, right? And I was thinking about my growing up years and nicknames that I had, and uh, my unfortunate nature is that I'm an identical twin. So it wasn't just a nickname for me. It was for my brother Henry as well. And some of those nicknames, uh, even though now I am more of strawberry blonde, I know Pastor Kyle likes to refer to himself as a ginger. He has a little more color and tint to his hair than I do. Uh, but growing up, Henry and I had fire red hair. I mean, it was bright. And you could not tell us apart. I have to look at some of my baby pictures. Thank goodness my mom wrote our names with an arrow pointing to which one we were, because I can't even tell. But I grew up with nicknames like Carrot Top, Freckle Face Strawberry. Freckles were very pronounced when we were little. Uh, double trouble, and my favorite is, are you the good twin or the evil twin, right? And of course, I'm the good twin. Let's just be clear <laughs> about that. I love you, Henry, wherever you are. <laughs> but I was thinking about this idea of nicknames, and with nicknames, or any kind of name that we have, the Bible in the book of Ephesians actually speaks to the fact that our words breathe life or death. And sometimes we can have nicknames that we appreciate and like, and other times not so much. But here this morning, what we're talking about is a name that Jesus has given himself. And so as we're talking this morning, what did Jesus actually say about himself? Well, he called himself the Son of Man. This was actually the favorite title that he had for himself, used more than anything else. We see this title, Son of Man, referenced in all four of the Gospels. And we also see that Jesus is referred to as the Son of Man 82 times in the New Testament. So that is a lot of times that he is referring to himself this way. Now this morning, there's really one question I want to answer, and I think there are three different parts that we can break this up into. So here's the question this morning. What is the significance of Jesus referring to himself as the Son of Man? 
Well, I think the first piece uh, that we see is that the Son of Man is a title of Jesus's humanity. It speaks to his humanity. But we actually have to dial it back to the Old Testament where we first see this reference used. And this title, Son of Man, is actually used in the Old Testament 107 times, 93 times in the book of Ezekiel. So here, let's look at this passage in Ezekiel where uh, Ezekiel is talking to God and this is what Ezekiel says. He said to me, Son of man, stand up on your feet and I will speak with you. Now this title, Son of Man, literally just means human being. So when God is saying, Son of Man, he's like, hey, human. It's an idiom to just say that you're a person. Now, for our purposes this morning, as we're digging into this title, Son of Man, and it relating to Jesus' humanity, most of our time is going to be spent in Matthew 26. And in this section of scripture, these are the last few days of Jesus' life. But we'll see this title, Son of Man, used quite a bit. So I actually want to pick up in Matthew chapter 26, starting right here in the first two verses of Matthew 26. It says this. When Jesus had finished saying all these things, he told his disciples you know that the Passover takes place after two days and the Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified. So here Jesus is acknowledging right out of the gate, beginning of this chapter, giving himself that title, the Son of Man, but he's talking about the fact that he's going to be crucified. And here in this chapter 26, we're going to see Jesus use this title, Son of Man, four times. And it has significance. So as we're talking about Jesus' humanity, uh, he references his impending crucifixion. But it also notice that they're celebrating the Passover. And Passover was Israel's commemoration of the exodus out of Egypt. And of course, Moses was the leader who led them out of Egypt. And in some ways, you could see that what is happening here is Jesus is actually going to lead the people on a different exodus. And that's more of a spiritual exodus and a whole change of how it is they relate to God. And if you know with Jesus, he often says, to him who has ears to hear, let him hear. So there was much that Jesus said that people didn't often quite pick up on. But Jesus is referencing with this title, Son of Man, his humanity. Now, there's another verse I want to deviate just for a second away from Matthew 26. In 1 John 4, 2, one of Jesus' disciples, John, is talking to the people that he's writing this letter to, and he gives them this instruction. He says this in 1 John 4, verse 2. This is how you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Right? So he makes a point, one of Jesus' followers, that people who are looking and following after Jesus and wanting to know whether someone claiming to be Jesus is true is Jesus came in the flesh. 
So if I were to boil down this first point of this title, Son of Man and Jesus' humanity, it would be this. Jesus being human helps us identify with him. Do you ever wonder sometimes why sometimes it can feel easier to connect with Jesus? I think it's because he's human. And in the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verse 15, it actually references the fact that Jesus sympathizes with our humanness, our human weakness. Even though Jesus was tempted in all the same ways we are, he did it without sin. But what I appreciate about that verse is that it helps us connect with God, I think, on this human level. And the fact that he was human and yet without sin, but he identifies with us, he gets us, he gets our emotions, he gets what we deal with on a daily basis. So that is the first piece of significance to this title, Son Man. The second piece is, what is uh, Jesus referring to himself as the Son of Man? Why is that significant? It's because the Son of Man is a title of Jesus's humility. And we see this Throughout scripture, actually, uh, there's this passage in Philippians, I think, that captures so beautifully Jesus' humility. And it says this. I want to share this with you. In chapter 2, starting in verse 5. And this book, Philippians, is written by the Apostle Paul. And he's writing to a church in Philippi. And he's trying to give some encouragement to the people there, but he's also giving some exhortation and wanting to make sure they understand who Jesus is. So he says this, starting in verse 5. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Other versions will use the word grasped. And I actually like that term grasped because it, I think, contains this idea that it's really incomprehensible to us. It's something we just can't wrap our heads around. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity, and when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So this speaks to Jesus's humility, that he was willing. I mean, I always try to get pictures in my mind when I read scripture, and I'm thinking about here Jesus is in heaven, wherever heaven is, sitting at the right hand of the Father, and he chooses to leave that place with all his rights and privileges and come to earth and take on the form of a human being, so when it says he emptied himself and that this is something that we can't even grasp, we cannot wrap our heads around. But to me, this is the picture of what humility looks like. I mean, try to imagine the wealthiest people today taking all of their wealth, all of their power, all of their resources and setting it aside, just laying it down. It's really hard, I think, for us to comprehend this and to get how significant this is. But if we continue, let's go back in Matthew 26, starting in verse 20, and look further at Jesus's humility. So it says this, starting in verse 20, 
Jesus is with his disciples. When evening came, he was reclining at the table with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. So talk about a party killer, right? Right, Jesus, thank you for that. Deeply distressed, each one began to say to himself, Surely not I, Lord. He replied, The one who dipped his hand with me in the bowl, he will betray me. Right? They were all dipping their hands in the bowl, so none of them were necessarily going to know who is Jesus talking about here in this moment. The Son of Man, so there's the title, will go just as is written about him. And so what Jesus is referring to here is all the suffering and, of course, his impending crucifixion that he's been trying to tell the disciples about and all the suffering that's going to happen But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for him if he had not been born. So here Jesus is with his disciples sharing a meal and telling them one of them is going to betray him. And yet Jesus in his humility doesn't call Judas out in this moment, but He's also referencing the impending suffering that is going to happen for him. And I, again, try to wrap my head around that. Here is God who is willing to suffer for us in that way when he didn't have to. But we also see his continued humility as we continue here in 26, uh, chapter 26, starting in verse 26. So as they were eating, Jesus took bread blessed and broke it, gave it to the disciples and said, take and eat it. This is my body. Then took a cup and after giving thanks, he gave it to them and said, drink from it, all of you. For this is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I mean, are are you getting the scope of Jesus's humility here? And here he is referencing to his disciples through the first communion, if you will, that they're celebrating together. And here we are 2,000 years later doing the same thing that Jesus was willing to suffer. And he is breaking out piece by piece exactly how it is he is going to suffer. And I think if I were to boil it down into this point, into to one phrase, it would be that Jesus' humility gave us a model to follow. Jesus models for us what humility looks like, being willing to sacrifice oneself for others, not because they're deserving of it, not because they're good enough, but just simply because of God's love. And we like to celebrate communion here. We like to remember the sacrifice that God has made on our behalf. So we're going to celebrate communion together today. And for those of you who are at home, if you would you know, grab your elements so that you can be prepared to join along with us. But our worship team is going to lead us in a song as we celebrate communion. And if you're new here and you're not sure, maybe you don't even know God as your Lord and Savior yet, communion is a time where Christ followers... Remember and celebrate, they honor Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, his death and his resurrection. So we've prepared communion elements. They're up here at tables on 
uh, either side here at the front of the auditorium. And during this song, at any point, if you're a Christ follower, whether you're a part of LifePoint or you come from another church, you're visiting here, you're welcome to participate in this. Uh, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior yet, then I encourage you just to sit back and you can observe uh, what happens here. But this is a time for us to give God thanks and to thank Jesus for his sacrifice that as you eat that wafer, as you drink that cup, the juice that's in there, you remember his broken body and his shed blood, that that was done specifically for you as a demonstration of his love for you. So at any point during this song, feel free to come and get the elements, come back to your seat, and then just take that as you're ready. We're not going to receive it together. And just maybe dwell and think about Jesus' humanity and what he suffered, but also his humility that he wants for us too. I said there were three different uh, parts and pieces to this title, Son of Man. So we talked about Jesus's humanity. We talked about Jesus's humility. And then the third piece, what is the significance of Jesus referring to himself as the Son of Man? Son of Man is a title of Jesus's deity. Not only was he human, but he was also God at the same time. Now, as you continue in Matthew chapter 26, uh, from them sharing the meal, then Jesus takes three of the disciples, goes to the Garden of Gethsemane, and he prays, and he asks God to remove from before him the path that he knows he must travel, to be crucified, to suffer, and to die. Three times he prays, and at the end of that, Jesus says, but your will be done not mine, right? He submits to the will of his father. He knows that this is the course that needs to happen. And then Judas, of course, comes and betrays Jesus, and Jesus is arrested, and he is mocked, and he is beaten, and he is tortured. And in that process, he is brought before the high priest Caiaphas so that he could be put on trial during Passover at night, all of it illegal. They bring false witnesses to accuse him just to seal his fate. And this is where we're going to pick up in Matthew 26, starting in verse 62. The high priest stood up and said to him, don't you have an answer to what these men are testifying against you? But Jesus kept silent. The high priest said to him, I charge you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Messiah, the son of God. You have said it, Jesus told him. But I tell you, in the future, you will see the son of man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. So here, Jesus finally acknowledges that he is God. And at this moment, when he says this, when he acknowledges this title, Son of Man, and that he will come on the clouds, he is actually referring to an Old Testament prophecy in Daniel 7, where it talks about not him being just a man, but also a highly exalted figure that we know to be the Messiah, the Son of God. And this title, Son of Man, denotes both. It denotes his humanity as well as his deity. And so I want to 
take us back there to Daniel chapter 7 and where Jesus is making this reference to this Old Testament. And it is in verse 13. So Daniel is seeing these visions from God. He records this. I continued watching in the night visions, and suddenly one like a son of man was coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days, which is another reference for God, and was escorted before him. He was given dominion and glory and a kingdom so that those of every people, nation, and language should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will not be destroyed. So here we see this title, Son of Man, and Jesus is referencing this Old Testament prophecy of Daniel and what it was that he was seeing. And what's interesting is when you look at Jesus's ministry on earth and those three years that he spent, most of his time was spent discouraging anyone that he healed or forgave of sins to say anything about him. He did not want anyone to know what his real nature was. And he, Jesus wasn't, being, wasn't seeking to be made a king in the way they wanted to make him a king and overthrow Rome and give them their freedom. That's not what Jesus was doing. When we think about this title, Son of Man, and Jesus' deity, I would say it this way. Jesus possesses divine authority because he is God. And this is a fact that trips so many people up. They can accept that Jesus was a good man. They can accept that Jesus was a prophet and a rabbi and a teacher, but not that he was God. If you were with us uh, during the first part of our 90 series, where we're talking about the names that people call Jesus, Pastor Fred did a teaching on Jesus being known as a blasphemer. And it's centered around this idea and him actually being the son of God. If you did not see that teaching, I encourage you to go back to our YouTube channel. Please watch it because Pastor Fred did such a great job breaking down that Jesus is God and the scriptures that help support that. And so I encourage you to check that out. But it speaks to Jesus's deity Jesus called himself the Son of Man. He called himself the Son of Man, but he waited until the exact right time before the high priest Caiaphas to acknowledge his deity. Why? He wanted to make sure the mission would be completed. He wanted to make sure he would be killed because that was going to be the only way for us to have life. Jesus had to die because he was perfect and only a perfect sacrifice would ever meet God's requirements to give us eternal life. It was necessary. And so Jesus waited. So Jesus called himself this title, son of man. But I want to take us back to where we were at the beginning at the beginning of this message. What about you? What about the nicknames that you've given yourself? Maybe some of those were positive. 
but maybe some of them were on the more negative side of the ledger. Some that were given to me, as I mentioned, but I think sometimes we call ourselves things that nobody else would even call us. Or maybe you grew up hearing people say these things to you, like, you're stupid, you're dumb, you're ugly, you'll never amount to anything, you're not good enough, you're useless, you're worthless, you're a lost cause. Any of those ring a bell? Maybe you grew up in some way hearing those kinds of things. And sadly, they attach to us. And we connect to them. But I want you to see the tension is, that is here between what we call ourselves and what Jesus called himself. He called himself Son of Man. And in that title, in his humanity and his deity, he died to set us free from what we call ourselves. We don't have to keep calling ourselves names and identifying ourselves with things that just aren't true about us because the fact is Jesus died to set us free from all of that on purpose to give us life. Not just in terms of how we see ourselves or what we call ourselves or what our identity is, but life, to give us life. He died to give us that. I've asked the worship team to come back out because we're going to close our time with some worship. But I also want to give an invitation and an opportunity for us to respond to God this morning. We've been working our way through this 90 series, and I wanted us to pause this morning and acknowledge God. Maybe you don't have a relationship with God. Maybe you haven't asked him to be your Lord and Savior yet. I believe Jesus' title, Son of Man, gives us that invitation this morning to acknowledge that he was God and man. And in his humanity, he died on a cross, but then rose again, proving that he was God to set us free. Romans 8.1 says, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You can have freedom. And it's as simple as, the Bible saying that those who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you've not yet made that decision, then I want to invite you during this worship time. We'll have a couple of people available up here if you would like to pray or people back in our prayer area. If you want to take that step this morning, respond to God. Maybe he has been calling you and drawing you. Then this will be your moment. Or maybe you are a Christ follower already, but maybe you veered off the path. Maybe you've not been walking with God the way you know you need to be. This would be an opportunity as well for you. You can come pray yourself or you can come pray with someone and get yourself right with God. This is a time to respond to God however he might be leading you. And after this time, I'll have some closing comments. I just have a few next steps, and I love that you're all standing up in worship. Um, just a few next steps for us this morning as you think about, okay, what do I do with this, this title, Son of Man, that Jesus had, and in his humanity, and his humility, and his deity, that he is God, and invites us to come to the altar. I think three very practical next steps. One that uh, we saw one person make and 
I'm hoping maybe some of you will still want to make this week. The first one being, if you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, to call on his name to be saved, that's what the Bible says, you can do that yourself. You don't have to come up here to do this. I just think there's something special and powerful about sharing that with our church family and with others. But you can certainly do it yourself. And I would encourage you this week, if you have not yet made that step, but you just sense God is pulling on your heart and drawing you in, you have nothing to lose by taking that step and giving God a try. The second thing I would challenge you to do is if you are a Christ follower this week, I would challenge you to talk to someone else about Jesus and this title, Son of Man, that he was human and that he walked in humility, and that he was also God. And that is the pivotal point, because in his being God, he overcame death, proving that he was God. He wasn't just some prophet or great man. He is God, and that's what makes life in him possible. Share that with someone this week. The third thing is, if you've not taken the step to be baptized, this is a way to also let other people know, I'm serious about my faith. I'm serious about walking this out. We have baptisms coming up this Easter. If you go online, use the uh, Church Center app, you can go and register for one of our baptism classes. We would love to celebrate with you here in a little over a month. Right here, as Tyler was saying, we'll have a hot tub here. If you want an excuse just to get in a hot tub, uh, we're, we're not going to judge. But that would be awesome to celebrate with you through baptism. That's my encouragement. Some very practical next steps this week. Now, as we turn uh, the corner, uh, proverbially, in our 90 series, next week we're going to start looking at things that only Jesus could do. And something that only Jesus can do is answer our deepest longings. Those deepest longings that we have inside ourselves, he is the only one that can answer. So I want to encourage you to please come back as we continue in our 90 series and Please make sure you sign up uh, at the Connection Center for serving at Easter, or if you're here and interested in the missions, uh, room 104, uh, they're going to have an informational meeting there. God bless you, and we'll see you guys next week.